0: What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. Welcome, everybody, to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Sit down, relax, have a rock to Gino. Sit down at the Dabo table. Tell the girls I said hi. I'm David Majors, my co host, the incomparable Nerdy Gal 33 herself, Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather?
1: What's up, David? I am so excited for our episode today. You know why? Because we, we have our very first guest.
0: We do have our very first guest five episodes in on the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, everybody, uh, I think if you're listening to this, you probably already know her. She's amazing. Uh, you probably know her best as the Batliff Babe herself uh, from Fans Give Back as well and a podcaster in her own right. Welcome to the old Prom Track pod, Miss Heather Ray. Heather, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on the debut of your podcast and five episodes. I am humbled and honored to be the first guest, especially because I have, okay, I won't cry. Um, (laughs) Miss Heather Kirby, my Zahia, is very special to me. She is one of my (laughs) dearest and closest friends. And so I am just thrilled and excited and full of all the happies that she has a wonderful podcast. So I'm so happy for both of you. Um, And I'm happy to be here and i'm wondering if i can get a jumja stick uh
0: that that'll be three slips of latinum three slips of latinum oh
2: i actually have it although (laughs) it's it's currently packed away uh but i do have three bars of of 3d printed latinum thanks to my friend peter (laughs)
0: <laughs> we'll get that after the show. Now, as long as I make sure that I don't get my Heathers mixed up, this should be a smooth sailing podcast from here. So let's just jump into the new business of the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, we have uh, Discovery Season 3, Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Now, Heather and I have been bandying about some ideas of what we'd like to see. ...for the upcoming season of Star Trek Discovery. uh, Coming soon, as they've said. Uh, I'm going to let Heather go first on this one because this was her idea. Because we're going to go character by character, everybody. That's what we're going to do for each character in the cast of Star Trek Discovery. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, with each episode as it goes on of the podcast, we're going to talk about what we'd like to see from each character in season three. Heather... You go first, Kirby.
1: Okay, so to start out, obviously, we have to start with our fearless leader of Star Trek Discovery, the show. Uh, She's the first person you think of when you think of Discovery, and that is Michael Burnham. So, like, I came up with the... We mutually came up with the idea to do it by characters, just because we have no idea when exactly season three is going to come out. And I didn't want to run out of stuff to talk about on the show while we were waiting for new Star Trek. So I figured we would do it by each character. Uh, we do have one trailer, which they reminded us existed uh, <laughs> just the other day on Star .com. Oh, they fooled uh, which- me.
0: They fooled me. I thought it was new.
1: They did fool you. But uh, so it gives us a little bit of idea as to where we're headed and what we're going to see with these characters in season three. And uh, obviously, Michael has always been the center story of the show. And I think uh, the trailer looks really interesting as to where we see Michael, because I don't think her and the Discovery ended up in the same spot when they traveled to the future.
2: Right. Can, okay. Somebody refresh my memory because it's I have not revisited Discovery since the end of the season. I've been watching all the other Star Treks. So she was in the Red Angel suit, right? And she, yeah. went, she went ahead of yeah. Discovery, right? Okay. She did.
0: She did. I, I, I actually just recently watched rewatched discovery uh both seasons and it ended with michael uh in the red angel suit designed by her mother uh going to the future before the discovery and if you remember at the in the last scene of the season finale uh it was the enterprise uh captain pike had seen a red dot somewhere in the Beta Quadrant. So the idea is that the Discovery and Michael Burnham uh, is 900 years in the future from where they were, uh, somewhere possibly in the Beta Quadrant. And it, it is looking like from what we've seen is that the, the Federation is not quite what it used to be. And it, it's looking like that Burnham uh, has found a new compatriot and the discovery is somewhere else.
2: Right. That That's pretty much what I thought. I, for some reason, had kind of slipped my mind that she was still in the suit and that she was not on the ship. Funny how our memories don't <laughs> stay the same. We remember things differently. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, is that what happened? So, yeah, I'm really from what I think we see with that trailer, there's going to be some time where. They're working on reuniting everyone, and I think that's where she meets Cleveland Booker, um, that new character named Book, who – that'll be interesting. I don't know much about that character at all. I don't think we're supposed to.
0: Uh, I don't think we're supposed to know a lot either, but I believe that everything that I've been reading and seeing from the cast and crew of Star Trek Discovery, including uh, from a recent interview with Jonathan Frakes, who mentioned he'll be – back directing again in season three is that there will be something of a tonal shift in season three of discovery uh which i think a lot of people were probably looking forward to uh, so what i am going to predict for season three from michael is that there will be a significant change in her character and we're going to see someone that's a bit more light-hearted Uh, I would not be surprised if Star Trek Discovery Season 3 has a few more lighthearted, dare I say sillier episodes, as Star Trek has been known to do every now and then. I think we're going to see a different side of Michael Burnham. Uh, If you've seen Sonequa Martin-Green in interviews and, and anywhere else, you'll see she's very outgoing, very charismatic, very, very upbeat. Very energetic. I think that it would not surprise me if we see more of that side of Michael Burnham's personality in season three of Discovery. I think that we'll be seeing a much more lighthearted Michael Burnham going forward.
2: What do you think, Heather? I, you know,
1: I, that's interesting because I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think we're going to start out that way. I think it's going to be kind of a struggle for her at first, at least until she reunites with the the ship and the crew and the people that she knows. Uh, Because one of the things like we've seen throughout the first two seasons of Discovery is Michael's really gone on this journey of learning to open up to people and um, really embrace friends and family and, and people that are important to her. And now at the start of season three, she's going to be alone and she's going to be in a position where, uh, like, all, all these people are nowhere near her. Uh, they're nowhere in her vicinity and she has to deal with being alone and, and finding them again. So, I, I mean, I, I do believe we can see a lighthearted Michael, but it, it depends on how that uh, effect of... of being alone in a, a strange time uh, is going to impact her at first, but before she meets up with everyone
2: else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I wonder like how long we'll have with her on her own or if like everyone's reunited within that first episode. I feel like they'll have to be because we're limited and I'm not, does anybody know how many episodes season three is going to be?
0: Uh, there's um. been no word at all from what I've seen.
1: Uh, I, I think I, it's gonna be about fourteen. I, I yeah. saw that somewhere like about around the, around the fourteen, st- like the first two seasons.
2: But. standard of what we've got. IMDB is quoting 13., uh, you know, who knows if that's accurate or not. but so yeah, probably around the same number of episodes. i I was every time I watched the trailer, that moment where we're reminded that this is somehow gonna be about Michael or link back to Michael. Uh, I every time hear a certain audience groaning about that because of all of like they just hate that. And it's so it's good, Heather. I think it's important to remind everyone that this show is about Michael like it was never not supposed to be somewhat centric to Michael. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to see from her this year I hope uh, it would be great if it was a little like lighter toned um, not not so serious not having to go through so much grief and so much pain and from what Frank said about the season it did sound like it would be g- moving away from that. Um, so I think that'll be really great for everyone Michael's one of my favorite characters. I identify with her a lot. I'm really excited about her new looks. Like they <laughs> kind of oh, go the, over time, the, yeah. the
0: braids, the braids, ladies. I'm sorry, I I have to do this. The braids. Oh, come on, just. they me. Just they amazing, amazing, amazing.
2: And I can't. It's it's hard to tell because when she's talking to a uh, book in the trailer, she still has her regular hair style, um, and then we see that. Kind of time lapse um, in the preview where it changes, so I I'm really excited to kind of I don't know I'm just excited. I'll be quiet now.
0: (laughs) No, no, no! That's what we're here for. Just the opposite. We're
2: three hours.
0: Uh, but I, I'm very excited, too. I'm, I'm definitely excited beyond just seeing uh, Michael Burnham and, and her braided hair. Beyond that, I'm excited, too. Uh, let's move into the old business of the podcast, where we take a look back at maybe some classic track, maybe a rewatch, maybe a rediscovery of some old things. And as we started the podcast, I had mentioned to Heather that... I wanted to check out some of the older Star Trek movies with the original cast. Some that I had not caught up with yet, and some that I needed to re-watch just to refresh my memory. And this one that we're doing this week is one that I did watch before, but it had been mm, about four or five years or so since I had. And this was The Final Frontier. Uh, this is the one revolving around Spock's half-brother, Cybok. Uh, Heather Ray, uh, you watched this one too, and that's why uh, we brought you on so we can go around the horn with this one. Uh, h- yeah. How did you feel about The Final Frontier?
2: So I, I decided very randomly to watch it. Um, I have been rewatching all of the Star Trek films very intermittently. I started with my friend Seth, um, and we watched. TMP and then Wrath of Khan together but we talked the whole time through Wrath of Khan uh so it's it's been really fun to kind of revisit everything um like with Search for Spock I found my opinion changed like I used to not really care for the movie at all um and similar to The Final Frontier I thought that it had a lot of really good character moments and so I came away from Final Frontier which I remembered little of um really happy. I think that while the plot with cybok and the Klingons was was not the most interesting part to me, sadly, I loved everything that's in there for all the the the, the holy trinity stuff, um the side stuff like with Scotty and Ahura was adorable. Um and I just yeah it's it is gold for characters and I think that it it's worth if you've not seen it, watching it just for all of that. And hopefully you will enjoy what I did not. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I I think I rated it like a C or something, kind of midway.
0: Okay. Uh, I think I'm pretty much on the same wavelength as you. Maybe a little bit higher. Maybe a B minus. Because the actual main plot of the movie was something that I absolutely loved i remember loving cybok as a character i loved his character arc uh the vulcan that went against the philosophy of logic and used his emotions to find himself i found that to be an incredibly interesting story and, and a great character arc that's one that i would love to examine uh also once again in this movie we see Sarek is a terrible father <laughs> uh, and I-, I loved that cybok in many ways was not your traditional villain uh he yeah. he wasn't even really an antagonist in many ways uh, yes he took over the enterprise under less than friendly circumstances but he pretty willingly gave it Back to Captain Kirk pretty quickly uh, after he explained everything and it seemed as though by the third act the rest of the cast and crew were willing to kind of go along with his crazy ambition of going to the center of the galaxy to find God. I actually loved that whole story. Unfortunately, I think putting it in a movie was probably the wrong decision because it feels like this would have been a great two-part episode of the original series. That's how I felt about it. Uh, I felt like it was a little bit undercooked with the screen time. I felt like they could have done a little bit more with Spock and Sybok. I feel like they could have done a little bit more with Sybok and Captain Kirk. I feel like they could have explored a little bit more with Ahura and Scotty. And as always, I've said this, I don't know how many times, not nearly enough with Sulu and Chekhov. Uh, I have said this many, many times with pretty much every Star Trek series, save for the next generation, is that the supporting characters oftentimes don't get nearly enough for my satisfaction, and we'll talk about that as we go along with uh, explaining the the cast and crew of discovery later on. I actually really liked the overarching story, but I just felt like it wasn't quite enough i I did enjoy the movie though uh, overall, I would probably give it a b minus I have no overly negative things to say. Uh, I think just... It probably could have just been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Everything that was there, all of the pieces that were there, were really good. It just needed to be expanded upon. Uh, Heather, Kay, uh, how about you?
1: Um. Well, I'm going to agree with Heather for the most part. Uh, I, I love the character moments in this movie. There are plenty of times where... I literally laughed out loud (laughs) at some of the different scenes and I'm not a big comedy person and it it wasn't even really set up to be comedy it was just these characters being themselves (laughs) the rocket
0: boots the rocket
1: boots (laughs) (laughs) The rocket booth. And, I mean, even, like, the little scene with Sulu and Chekhov getting lost in the forest and, like, they're pretending it's a blizzard outside because they don't <laughs> want to tell Uhura that they're lost. Like, it's, it's just little things like that are are so great in this movie. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I think the actual story of it is kind of ridiculousness. <laughs> it, it, it gets a little... And, and maybe it's because I'm just not a very big religious person, but it, 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 it gets a little over the top, especially because um, I don't really understand how Cybok taking away people's pain suddenly makes them like beholden to him. I, I, I didn't really understand that whole part of it.
0: I really think, Heather, for me, it seemed, I think that was uh, more like a mind meld. Because uh, it reminded me of maybe my favorite episode of TNG, Sarek. When Ambassador Sarek, terrible father, mind melded with Jean-Luc Picard. And we saw Picard going through the wealth of emotions that Sarek had been suppressing for this long period of time, uh, while Sarek was able to implement some of Jean-Luc Picard's mental calm to go through that conference and and do the diplomacy he needed to do, I sort of saw Cybok being Vulcan and having uh, telepathic abilities. Kind of melding his own mind with everybody else's, and he was just kind of saying, "Share your pain with me." Sort of in the same way that a Vulcan would do a mind meld. That's how I saw it. Uh, uh,
1: okay, well, I, I can agree with that. But then, like, there's there's different aspects as to how Vulcans use their powers, and to to me, like, it almost seemed like he was using it in order to influence people
2: yes. unwillingly.
0: Oh, definitely. I, t- definitely. I
2: took issue with. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. The, 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 yeah. Is this not why the mind meld exists? Like, it, obviously it did not begin to... I feel like the mind meld is like the one weapon of assault that is used the most in Star Trek. It's not a phaser. Um, because, yeah, and I I've been trying to look up notes on the script and... Memory Alpha is just there's way too much about this. But, like, Heather, you were talking about the fact that, you know, it's this question of God and what does God need with the starship type of thing um, and not being religious. It it got me thinking about that Discovery episode, New Eden, which is my favorite episode. And it was because of the way that I felt that episode kind of (sighs) made made religion a part of the story and in a way that showed how it might be problematic, but was still respectful of it, if that makes sense. Like the idea that all of the people came together and took all of their religions and faiths and made something of their own. I felt like that was something Roddenberry would have pulled out of his own book. But uh, back to this film, like, are we looking even, I was thinking about, uh, why can't I think of what they're called like the big uh, like televised evangelistic oh, TV yeah. stuff where they're like, you know, preaching about, you know, we'll take away your pain and, and they want your money like they want your investment, which was big art. when
0: around the time this movie came out. Those were big. The televangelists. They were all they were yeah. all over TV.
2: So I'm curious how that could have affected the story at all and and playing into like this is part, not just that those people were influenced, because I don't think it was made super clear that there was that type of influence. Like it wasn't just that people were buying into it. Like there was also something extra there. Um, and I, I think that comes to light with um, Uhura and Scotty. When Scotty, like the perfect gentleman, is like, no, like I can tell you are not OK. Like you are under an influence and I'm not going to do anything with your uh your affinity for me at this moment. But, yeah, I just I like having discussions about religion within Star Trek. I think it is a fascinating thing because there are so many religious Star Trek fans um, and being that Gene was a humanist and, and not into religion, it's just always a fascinating thing to me. So I'd be curious to know like what those, if there was any, any, any part of that in the development of the script, I'll have to find out, or maybe one of your listeners, if they know they can chime in my 50 yeah, year mission know, books, it's like all my books are in storage right now before I move. So like all my ref, I just have the internet. That's all.
0: Well, then we'll we'll let you get back to packing really soon. But you brought up an excellent point about uh, religion and the televangelists. Uh, when this movie came out, that was definitely a thing that occupied the public consciousness way more than it does now. And it would not surprise me if... Uh, the directors and the the writers of this movie brought in some kind some kind of that influence with Cyborg because he definitely seemed to have that kind of power over people. Uh, I guess maybe that's why I found him to be such a interesting antagonist character because he wasn't the typical mustache twirling villain he was very very different and the scenes he had with kirk and mccoy especially where we we saw what had happened in um, dr mccoy's past uh, i remember seeing that one for the first time years ago and and feeling like wow this was a level of depth that leonard mccoy had never gotten before and it was in my opinion long long overdue and i think that was one of the scenes in this movie that was really well done and i feel like that was a real highlight uh and i and i think that was the fact that it revolved around cyborg and i think that for what it was worth i think he was a great character and a great villain and when we got to the final act of the movie, where they got to Shakari, and they got through the barrier, and they got to the planet. Uh, and kind of here's where my issues with this movie lie. Uh, they meet this entity who portrayed himself to be God, but we never actually found out what it was. Yeah. <laughs> that, but that,
2: That mean, oh, that's Star Trek for you.
0: <laughs> that bugged me. We didn't even find out whether it was uh, a temporal anomaly, uh, a being from the 36th century, uh, space whales. We really never found out what it was. And I think that is kind of the core of my issues with the movie, is that it just, there were lots of good pieces, but they were never fully fleshed out.
1: Well, see, that's something I actually don't have that much of an issue with. uh, Because I think, especially when you portray characters uh, that are really kind of all-powerful, like that being was... uh, I, I don't think it was God, but it was still something kind of all powerful. And it, it sort of leaves a mystery around it that you don't actually know what it was. So you're still sitting there left wondering, what well, was it, God? Was it it's something worse than that? Um, it, it, it's something that a lot of TV shows have a tendency to do when they, when they look at uh, very godlike or like Satan like characters uh, to not necessarily put a label on what they are, but instead sort of let that all powerful beingness of them
0: speak for that. So
2: I, I didn't have too much of an issue with that. Other right? Yeah, I don't I don't think I mind not knowing what it is. And I think that might even give some poignance to that final scene between the entity um and cybok and kirk and spock and bones um i do really like again like i do like that we have had this question of challenging you know what is god (laughs) what does god need with the starship um but really just like kirk just insisting like On the proof, like even with what, and this was, I'm going to take this. Someone said this on Twitter, and I'm so sorry, I can't remember who it was. Um, There were so many wonderful comments, but someone brought up that, um, you know, even in the face of irrefutable, what seems like irrefutable knowledge, like here's this entity, like this looks like this is God. Like, Kirk is still questioning that. They're still just trying to to make sure and always asking. And I think that that's a really I think that fact that, you know, we as human beings are just always searching for that evidence, always trying to answer that question with proof um, kind of really just highlights not only who who Gene was and what Gene thought um, and I know that there wasn't a ton of Gene the whole story with this the making of this film is wild you all should read it um but it just felt very authentic to what what Star Trek is um with with questioning science versus religion and at the end of the day like I don't felt I don't feel that this the film was Disrespectful to religion. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that the movie wound up saying religion is loony? Or <laughs> did it just kind of put out the question of, you know, is there a God? What happens if we find something that we think is God? What would we do?
0: I, I think, think I like it. Heather, go. You go first, Heather.
2: No, it's. it was just going to say, like, I think that there are big questions and takeaways from the film that kind of get lost because of the execution of the film.
0: Yes. Big time. Uh, I think you made a lot of great points there. Uh, uh, The idea that Star Trek is always about exploration and looking for uh, the answers to those questions. Uh, I fault the movie itself, strictly the movie uh, for not giving us an answer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that wasn't intentional. I, I'm, I get the impression that that was more of a, a plot hole that we really yeah. didn't get an answer Over as that. to what what the entity was. And, and again, that's kind of where I feel about the movie, where things were overlooked that didn't have to be. Uh, but I definitely get where you're coming from, uh, Heather K the idea that maybe it didn't necessarily need an answer because Star Trek is more about exploring and asking the questions more than finding the, the answers. I think that's a really interesting one. How about you?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I think especially for when the the movie was made, like in, in the evolution of Star Trek, um, it, it wasn't, Quite ready to challenge the idea of religion and, and what we would do in those instances. And you can tell, like through the years as Star Trek has evolved, when you get to like TNG and especially in Deep Sa- Space Nine, they tackle that subject in a lot better way. Uh, so it, it it's kind of like the first instance of religion being challenged in Star Trek, but they never fully answer the question. But then the the question gets brought up again and and does get dealt with along the line in the universe in a better way. So I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah. Can I chime in real quick since I, I went into to do some research and not sound like a, a, a dummy? Um,
0: Absolutely not. This, <laughs> <laughs> I at I, I,
2: this because just because I referenced Roddenberry and part of this feeling like something Roddenberry would do, um, but at this point in the films, like he really didn't have a lot of formal creative say and so that was part of part of the drama behind this was shatner's involvement and like there was Roddenberry had even drawn up paperwork against shatner because the novel is or not the novelization the story that that shatner helped work on uh was was very similar to something Roddenberry had already done and that created a lot of not great feelings uh behind the scenes there um and then at some point I think it, it didn't have the funding. I don't remember if funding was taken away or it just never got the funding. Um, Because that's one thing, like I did enjoy that while I felt there wasn't a whole lot of um space porn, as I like to call it in, in this movie, I did enjoy the, the, the space art that we got. Um I thought that it, the, Different shots were still really pretty, like with Enterprise in the moon. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah, anytime we had that, I was like, "Ooh, pretty, yay!" But I don't know. I do agree. I think that either moving this to a episode or just changing something about it probably would have been a better delivery. But overall, I I do this where like. I'll have an opinion, and then the more I start talking about it, I'll change my opinion to like it more. <laughs> so I think I just did that. Um, and I, think it, I I'm mean, it was,
0: it less. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was. I mean, it's a very divisive film. Um, you know, I think every Star Trek fan who's involved in fandom, or at least has a lot of friends who know Star Trek, uh, has heard about you know the infamous rule of thumb of the odds and evens and, which are good. And I, I will say to anyone out there, like don't ever abide by that stuff. Please go watch the thing and, and make your opinion without having that bias um already set just because you heard something. I think that it, it may not be as this, one of the strongest films. I do think it still has value. And I think it's one that's worth revisiting. Um, And definitely my, my, one of my best friends and former partner and co-host, Jeff, over at uh, the Tricorder Transmissions, also loves this film. So if you ever need someone to gush about it, <laughs> go to him. It does have its many, many fans, uh, but just as many critics, it seems. But that is that is the life of Trick as it were, I guess.
0: That it is. Uh, so overall, we're saying good, but could have been better. I think we can all pretty much agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Don't have, don't set expectations. That's, and that's kind of my general rule anymore. (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, if you haven't seen it, don't, don't set expectations. Um, But go in with
0: an open mind.
2: Yeah. Then, you know, you might find yourself enjoying it more or less, but uh, again, you know, watch it and form your own opinion. I think that's what's most important.
0: And let us all know at Prom Trek Pod, because we we would love to hear from you. We'll join the conversation at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. Uh now on to upcoming business. I came across this story just a couple of hours before we recorded, ladies, uh, from a website called Trek dot report. Uh I was debating with Heather kirby uh over whether this has some smoke to it or whether this is fake news uh the story from trek.report is saying uh possibly did anson mount who we all know as christopher pike in (laughs) season two of star trek discovery did anson mount accidentally confirm that another star trek series is being made and the the story has gone on as both he and Ethan Peck have said that they absolutely have loved their experience working in the Star Trek franchise, and Alex Kirksman has kind of been playing around with the fans about it, saying, anything's possible, yeah, we're thinking about it, we're looking into it, we'll see, we'll see. And, and I, I've enjoyed watching him tease the fans about it, just because I get a kick out of that uh but now it's looking like according to this story that and a few rumors out there on the interwebs that the name of whatever an upcoming star trek series might be is going to involve the phrase strange new worlds and we'll put this in the show notes as well uh it mentions that and i did confirm this uh anson mount on his twitter profile put his location as strange new worlds and there was a site out there saying that there might be some development on another star trek series that is not one of the upcoming animated series and is not uh the section 31 series starring michelle yo I'm honestly still leaning towards fake news. I I just feel like there's there's a lot here that just doesn't feel like it's going to be legit. Uh and and I think that a lot of Star Trek fans are getting themselves lathered up over something that is still more than a few years away if it's ever going to happen. Heather Ray you got this story. What's it say to you?
2: I. OK, so let's be honest about we're living in the, the time of a pandemic right now, and we don't know when we're going to get Discovery season three. Um uh-huh. So I think that it is a very valid point that all the new Star Treks are going to take some time uh, to to get. And, like, we haven't even seen any information really about the Section 31 show with Michelle Georgiou. Or, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Yeo! That was funny. Um, we haven't really gotten much of an update besides there was a rumor, I think, a few months ago that it had been delayed. Um, I'm going to be very honest. I think it's actually highly likely that we will get a Pike show down the line. I think that it, that indeed will be years, you know, I probably, it's really hard to estimate anything right now, considering, um, the situation. Uh, but I, I am hopeful. I think it's likely don't listen to news unless it is confirmed from CBS or one of one of the other companies around like Star Trek.com, something like that. Um, I generally don't take too much stock in, in unconfirmed. Like if you're not going to quote your source, then I think I'll wait until there's a confirmed source for that. But they, man, Captain Pike got the, got the fans going. Um, I think Pike and Spock, yeah, and number 1 are I really enjoyed them. They were a highlight of season 2 for me. Um I really would love to see them have their own show. But uh yeah, I think I think it's likely, but I think it will take time and with everything going on and this affecting our economy, like you just don't get too excited yet. Let's wait a little bit until we do that.
0: Now, Heather, Kay, and I were talking a little bit before we recorded about how we're kind of in a similar mindset on the idea of the fandom uh, and their excitement over a potential uh, Anson Mount-led Star Trek series. Heather, uh, why don't you tell the folks about it?
1: Well, I I, I want to start off by saying I did enjoy Anson Mount as Captain Pike,
0: As did I. Discovery
1: Season 2. And Ethan
0: Peck as Spock. And and Rebecca Romijn as number one.
1: Yes, I really enjoyed seeing all three of them on screen. That being said, the longer we get from Discovery Season 2, the less excited I am about the idea of having a Captain Pike show. And part of it is because the fan pandemonium around the, the the clamoring for a pike show kind of irks me a little bit
2: <laughs>
1: because i i mean i understand why people enjoyed his portrayal and i understand why they want to see more of it but a, a lot of the, the the fandom chatter out there is is sort of like come on cbs give us a show we actually want like yeah. thank all the you new content thank you like, all the new content that CBS is putting out there, and you have all sorts of criticisms for all these new shows, like, oh, it's a prequel. Oh, it's it's set in the same time frame as TOS. Oh, we don't want that. And then you want a show that's literally set up exactly the same as all the things that you say you don't want in Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. I
0: thank you.
1: I, it, it, it bothers me. It bothers mm-hmm. me. And I, I, I do believe the rumors about there being another live action show in the works because I've heard it from some people who I consider a trusted source because I know that they know people who actually work on the shows and stuff. But I also think Anson Mount is trolling all of you (laughs) by changing (laughs) his Twitter thing to that. He is trolling you, people. It's not going to happen anytime soon, uh, especially with everything going on in the world right now. And things could change. The layout for how the new Mm -hmm. Star Trek that is coming could change depending on when TV development gets back up and rolling again. Yep.
2: Yep. So, however, I will say that saying that, so the one thing, cause I, I'm on board with you, Heather. And I think back when the Pike stuff started, like everybody started saying, we want a Pike show. I think you and I probably had some conversations like, no, we don't need a Pike show. Um, and my opinion has obviously changed over time. Part of what is encouraging about a Pike show for me is the fan excitement and I am really interested in trying to get to a place where more people are happy with with what CBS is making because not everyone is. Um, I, I don't definitely don't appreciate like you you said with people saying give us what we want. Um, Star, Star Trek is giving plenty of people what they want. That's very apparent with the success that Star Trek is having right now. Um, I wonder, if because of the excitement around the Pike show that could somehow change or influence an order of production. Um, I have no idea how Hollywood works, everyone. So please don't take that uh, with much seriousness. But again, if there's anyone out there listening who knows, I'd be really curious um, if that's even a possibility that they would kind of move shows around, um, Depending on what what are we going to give fans right now that's gonna entice people the most type of thing, um, and I think that if that were between a Section Thirty One show and a Pike series right now, it would be the Pike series. Um, having said that, I am still really excited to see uh, Michelle Yo's show. Um, it is a woman empowered show, and I'm really excited for that. So, but I just I wonder. Um, but the reality is that we don't know. So sorry.
0: I'm going to be a bit more confrontational than than the, the two of you, because that's just how I am sometimes. Uh, I posted a long time ago on the Star Trek subreddit. I asked a question about this very topic, and, and I posed it in a very confrontational way. And I'm going to do that here on the podcast to the listeners or whomever out there might want to answer it. Uh, in relation to the Captain Pike series that people are excited about and want so much, I often wonder, and I will ask the question, how much of that is that people want a Star Trek series with those three, and how much of it is just a general dislike of Star Trek Discovery? Do you want this series, or do you just hate Discovery so much for whatever reason you've concocted in your head, and you want some kind of solace or relief from Star Trek Discovery that you feel like you see in a potential Pike series. And I would remind everyone that would answer that they just want the Pike series. And I said this a couple of days ago. The same people that did Star Trek Discovery Season 2 are the same people, cast, crew, production, writers, and everything. They're generally, by and large, the same people that did Season 1. So if that's really what you think you want... You might just have to rethink your expectations because, yeah, it will be the same people that did the season of Star Trek Discovery that some of you out there hate so much that also brought you Anson Mount as Christopher Pike. So think about that out there. Just remember what you're with what you're considering just to keep that in mind.
1: I and you know that's part of my reticence when it comes to not really being excited about a Captain Pike series, is that I feel like there's people, a corner of fandom that's not going to be happy no matter what it is because mm-hmm. it's being produced by Alex Kurtzman. Because by the Pike way, by the way.
0: I have heard about Alex Kurtzman being fired by CBS just as many times as I've heard that the, the Pike series has been confirmed.
1: Yeah, it, it, it it's like these same people who are cl- clamoring and saying that a Captain Pike series will be the return to Star Trek. It, it's still going to be made by the same people who make Discovery, by the same people who make Picard. And and. They're going to take the same mindset going into the series. So is it really going to be what some people... And don't get me wrong, I know there's plenty of people out there who love Captain Pike, and that's why they want to see a series with him. And they love Discovery, too. I know people out there like that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people who think that a Captain Pike series is going to be drastically different from what we've seen in Discovery. It's not it's not it's going to be no. made by the same people That's and same so I, i'm just afraid yep. that when the show comes out that everyone is clamoring for and it's going to get the same amount of negative toxicity that comes at discovery and picard too
2: i think everything coming from cbs is going to do that at this point and i heather at least knows my opinion on a certain crowd i, I I have no interest in, uh, defining fandom Wright, for, it, yes,
0: you, you are perfect. We swear with star Trek now. So it's perfectly okay to swear.
2: <laughs> it, uh, be- because I, I've,
0: I've said several times about that particular side of the fandom. Fuck them. I've said I that several times. I,
2: I'm going to be really honest. I don't consider what they practice to be fandom. Um, there, Let's listen, uh, there is no rule out there that in order to to be a fan or participate in fandom, you have to like all of Star Trek. Uh, I, I do like all of Star Trek. There's some that I don't like as much. Um, but, you know, Picard, I kind of... It was challenging. Someone used that word, and I liked that word for me. There were parts of Picard that were challenging for me. There were parts that I really enjoyed. Um, regardless of this, I don't... Like, we're, we're here on a podcast talking about what we liked and didn't like about a movie... Talking about fandom, talking about what we're looking forward to. We're doing something that adds to our community. Um, what I see from those people who I tend to call anti-fans is anti-fandom practice. That is harassing uh, CBS accounts, harassing creatives, harassing actors, harassing other fans. And I'm going to be really honest. I'm tired of it being told that it started with with me or with us, not me specifically, but. Uh, we tend to when it's pointed out like when when their behavior is is performed back to them there's always this notion of like you did it first and no no people were being attacked for liking the new star trek and this is a cyclical thing that happens throughout the 54 year history of star trek but i don't know a single fan who tries to end what they love tries to damage fandom that's that's not fandom that's anti that is anti-fandom behavior trying to do stuff that will damage what star trek is right now can ruin star trek forever and then there's no more star trek for anyone that's not fandom behavior to me and so i totally agree that there will always be a side that's gonna be toxic they seem very very loud they're not they are a minority and so keep preaching your love keep talking about stuff respectfully sorry i feel really dirty just thinking about it because well
0: you're you're being much kinder than i would be i'm i'm very much of the punch cue in the face contingent so you're you're being much kinder than i am but i completely agree with everything you're saying
2: yeah, it's. I think it's important. I, I sometimes say to be a torchbearer, not a gatekeeper. Um, in my in my personal belief, there are no gates to fandom. Fandom is whatever you make it to be. Fandom is your own, like. Your fandom belongs to you is a little hashtag that I like to use. I try to remind people that as as hard as it is not to let others influence us, when it comes down to it, you are the one responsible for your relationship with a thing, whether that's Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, whatever – it's it's you and that, and I totally understand being discouraged by seeing a lot of like negativity around a certain thing. But you're never going to know if you will like something or dislike it until you watch it yourself and make up your own mind. And then all you have to do is say, "Hey, I liked it" or "I didn't like it." You don't take it to that other level of just being a really cruel and awful person. This that's, ruined that's my childhood. Not, <laughs> yeah, that's that's just uh, it's not Star Trek like. Star Trek teaches us to evolve, um, to better ourselves. And I am a part of fandom that either somehow, like, makes fandom bigger or adds to fandom. Does, you know, I have so—you guys, you're doing a podcast. I know so many podcasters, fan artists, fic writers, crafters, people who make and sell Star Trek products. Like, there are so many people out there being fans, Like, just be a fan. Don't be a jerk. Sorry. Okay, I'm done. No,
0: that's it right there.
1: (laughs) That's perfect to end on right there.
0: It absolutely (laughs) is. Be a
1: fan. Don't be a jerk.
0: In the words of Will Wheaton, don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah. Heather Wright, thank you so much uh, for coming on this episode. This was absolutely fantastic. Thank you for for sitting down at the Promenade with us. Uh, tell everybody out there uh, if they don't already know, because you're a superstar. Uh, tell everybody out there what you've got going on.
2: Oh gosh, what do I? Ha- I'm moving. No. Um, so yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at BatlethBabe. Babe. I'm I'm there the most. It's Twitter's my favorite place for social media because you can control. Twitter pretty well when you learn how to curate your timeline. Yay! Um, and there's just very wonderful people there that I love. So, Batleth Babe on Twitter. I also do a program called Fans Called Back. It's on pause right now while I move, but I, I will be bringing it back. I collect Unwanted in good condition, uh, geek memorabilia, and then I look for people in need who don't have stuff. I was inspired kind of by seeing some of the the movements where people like do the hashtag things and share their their swag and whatnot, and then every now and then there's somebody that's like, I don't have any Star Trek stuff, and I was like, Oh no! What can we do to fix that? So lo and behold, uh, fans give back was created, and it is a ton of fun. I really enjoy getting to see all the cool stuff that people donate and then getting to curate the boxes for each person specifically and send those out. Um, So we are at fans Give back on Twitter and the other social medias. And then eventually when I get moved and all this stuff gets settled, uh, you'll be able to listen to my own podcast at Boldly Butter. Uh, And I'd love to have you guys on at some point. So let's all keep in touch to do that. Uh, Heather, do I do other things that I've forgotten about? Uh, well, you can talk about your Etsy shop where you sell nice, oh, shiny God. gemstones. <laughs> See? Okay. So, yes, I have a small gem and mineral store also inspired, not just by my own love of gem and minerals, but um, Star Trek. So it's called Rocknalia. Um, it's, the name is kind of after the Spocknalia magazine way back in the day. I just thought it was kind of cute. So I specialize in little um, aura crystals, which are fun, heat-treated, colorful uh quartz and amethyst and what else anyway pretty shiny sparkly rocks and time crystals uh feel free to check that out time crystals yes Yes. oh man oh man "Oh, oh i got time crystals yeah they're you know it's been a lot of fun i just opened my shop back in october um and it's it's doing pretty well it's my my only income right now so it's I'm grateful that I did create it and it's just when like when my Trekkie friends my geek friends buy stuff it's just really special because I like to like add little fun things and just I put a lot of love into my packages And that like when you do that stuff it makes you feel good like doing good things like so that someone gets a surprise I don't know do more of that stuff I don't know I'm being weird now never mind
0: we're, we're here talking about Star Trek. Weird is part of the job. It's it's totally okay. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. And Heather Kirby, thank you, as always, for bringing Heather Ray onto this exceptional episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast. I cannot thank you enough. This is awesome.
1: I was so excited to have my twin, my Zahia, uh for anyone who doesn't know that is a star trek discovery season two reference but heather is my twin at heart in so many other ways other than just our names so i was so excited that both enjoy ice cream first yes yes of course who doesn't have ice cream
0: well fantastic ah good choice Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You can find us in your podcatcher of choice. It will... I think I'll start putting it up on SoundCloud, too. But it will be in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else where you can get your fine podcasts. And, of course, at at DeltaJulietMike.com. I'm David Majors. I'm at DJM with all of my other podcasts. Thank you all so much for listening. Walk with the prophets, Live long and prosper. And most importantly, don't be a dick. (laughs)
2: yes be kind it's important especially now